0: Hello and welcome to Great Takes from the Great Lakes. This is episode five, and as usual, we've got a whole lot this week. The takes coming at you as usual from Luke Mori, Alex Daimel, and yours truly, Christian. Heck, damn it. We're going to start in the NFL, as we did last week. Uh, the NFL is getting closer every week, and today we're hitting numbers, team numbers 25 to 21 on our power rankings. If you want to hear 32 to 26, which I know that you do, uh, go back to our previous episode where we started our little power rankings journey as we count down towards the season. Over in the NBA, Giannis Middleton and Drew Holiday. My goodness, that big three helped the Bucks grab a 3-2 lead, and they, of course, now have a chance. <laughs> Alex is pumping that uh, Booker jersey. I don't know how much uh, luck they'll have in milwaukee i'm looking at uh maybe even changing to bucks and six but uh draft is coming up in the nhl i heard
1: some trades have been going down what's happening on the ice luke absolutely well we've we've had some really big surprises with uh the biggest one being carrie price being left exposed for the seattle kraken to take um as well as chris drager has been uh rumored to be about to sign a uh three-year deal with the seattle kraken so the kraken are making moves they might be it might be similar to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, where they might be contending for a playoff spot in their first year. So it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: We are fresh off of the All Star Game, and the second half of the MLB season has begun. What's happening in the diamond, Alex?
2: So we are going to get into the Home Run Derby as well as the All Star Game. As you, most of you guys know, uh, Pete Alonso did take his second straight Home Run Derby title. Um, and we did see the All-Star game happen the day later in the beautiful course Field in Colorado, so we'll get to some highlights of that as well as talking about some Tigers baseball. Talk about electricity. Oh, my goodness. I didn't think this was going to happen. Again, as I've said in past episodes, not a time for me to be predicting things, and in this case, I am so happy that this isn't a time for me to predict things because the Tigers are playing Completely the opposite of how I thought they were going to play, and I could be I uh, could not be happier about it.
0: All right, a jam-packed pod coming up for you. Let's get into it. we're starting off in the nfl where we are going through our nfl power rankings as promised teams number 25 to 21 also if you want to uh get a hold of our earlier rankings they're also on our instagram account what's that if you haven't followed our instagram account i think you should pause the uh the pod and go do that right now
2: what are you doing Username. You what are you doing if you haven't followed the instagram yet like you're just what, scroll what? you're scrolling through Instagram, you're scrolling through all of these just social media sites and looking at boring content. Go give the Instagram a follow. Go look at go give Tunnel Vision Sports an Instagram follow. Go give the Dylan and Dylan show an Instagram follow. They recently started an Instagram. Mm-hmm. Got some great content over there for you as well. And Christian, let's roll into these NFL rankings, man.
0: My lord, I am excited. We are starting down at number twenty-five where I have the Oakland Raiders. Uh, they scrapped a lot of their offensive line in the offseason. Alex Leatherwood was a very interesting pick uh, at 17, filling in at right tackle. And then – Hey, Christian. So hey, Christian. Yeah.
2: Yes, sir. They ain't the Oakland Raiders anymore, man. Oh, my gosh. Welcome God. to the new times, man. Oh, They're no. moving to Vegas yeah. now, but I do also cool have on. them. Raiders. Right? I do have them at 25 as well. Uh, we didn't really see too much. Uh, they didn't have too many notable uh, draft picks or make too many notable moves this off season, And nobody, I don't think, really knows any sort of plan for the Raiders this season. There really is no big target or big, like I said, there's no plan for them. And so I. that's why I have them as 25. Luke, where are we at for number 25 on the Luke Morris scale?
1: 25, I've actually got a different team. I've got the uh, New York Giants down there. I think... Uh... I agree with you guys on the Raiders. Um, I mean, I might actually be changing up my uh, power rankings a little bit, but I still would keep the Giants at 25. I think they're uh, not drafting Justin Fields was, I think, going to be a mistake for them. I think Daniel Jones could be good, but I mean, he has 25, 35 touchdown passes, 22 interceptions, and an 84.1 passer rating, uh, rating, which just isn't good enough to get it done in the NFL. And I think. As good as Saquon Barkley looks, and we've seen some on his Instagram, like he looks fantastic. He's bouncing back from his uh, injury really well, but he can only do so much, and I think not having a quarterback is going to be really big for them. They did pick up Galladay in the offseason.
0: I mean, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, former Detroit Lion, I have them (laughs) nowhere near 25. Uh, But up to 24, uh, the Steelers. I'm I'm a little scared to say the uh, the location now, but uh, they certainly <laughs> look certainly lost uh, some talent defensively. Um, they're still pretty strong on that side of the ball. Um, I think losing Bud Dupree was big. Uh, offensively, their skill players, especially with the addition of non, uh, Najee Harris uh, from Alabama, of course, are deadly to say the least. Uh, but I just don't trust Big Ben, and more than that, I don't trust uh, his off- offensive line, which will be shoddy at best.
2: Uh, So I've got them down at 24. Yeah, and rolling it at 24, I actually have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Luckily for the Lions, uh, but unfortunately for the Bengals, I think not drafting Penesul was a mistake because I think the Bengals really needed to build an offensive line around Joe Burrow and let him do what he does best. And it's kind of tough to do that when you have the best defensive lineman in the entire world coming at you every single week without a wall in front of you to protect it. So I have them at number 24. I do think um, Joe Burrow, I'm excited for him to come back after injury. Uh, I think he had an unfortunate rookie season, uh, which was obviously cut short due to a torn ACL. But um, I am looking forward to seeing him come back with or without a good offensive line. But I don't think they're going to be able to get it done as well as they'd hope. Um, And Christian, I do have to say, putting the district you're not even mentioning Najee Harris in this one man I got the Steelers right above but I'll get into that to a minute right after Luke gives us his number 24
1: at 24 I've got the uh, Philadelphia Eagles I think you guys had them in last week's but I think one biggest thing is that they've got the weakest train of schedule in the league I think it's going to give them a couple more wins but still it's gonna be big on Jalen Hurts to show up in a second year and I don't know if he's really got it but I think he at least has the keys to the offense now, so they've had a full year with him. I like their head coach, Nick Sirianni; He was really good with the Colts. Um, obviously, he doesn't have a head coaching. This is his first head coaching job, so we don't know what he's going to look like, but I think he's really creative, really smart guy, so I think he'll at least put Hurts uh, in some good positions to succeed, but they're still going to be a lower-tier uh, team. Uh, I think the Eagles were a
0: little carryover from last week. Uh, I had them down. Uh, at 26, I know Alex did as well. I think you were the only one that had uh, Eagles yeah. above. Anyway. I, I had him. I had him down, down at too. 31
2: last week. Uh, and the big thing for me was I didn't think Jalen Hurts is going to be a solid quarterback, but um, I guess we'll see at the end of the uh, we'll see at the end of the year.
0: Oh yeah, uh, up at 23, uh, I have the Chicago Bears. They upgraded their O line. They also traded up and grabbed Justin Fields in the draft. As a Michigan fan. Um, it kind of pains me to say this, but I do think Fields uh, is the, the player that the team needed. And I think he's uh, the Bears quarterback of the future. They're still pretty strong defensively. I think that's obviously the strongest side uh, of the ball for their team. I just don't think their offense is ready yet to put up the big numbers this year, uh, especially with a kind of odd decision to stick with Andy Dalton, who they signed uh, to start the season, at least to start out the season, Uh, But I think this is a team for the future as much as as a Michigan and a Lions fan, it is uh, kind of hard to realize.
2: Yeah, and I I will give you that. I had the Bears a little bit uh, more up in my rankings, but I will say, unfortunately for Christian and I, we had to watch Justin Fields just tear apart our Michigan Wolverines football team, and now we're going to have to watch him tear apart our Detroit Lions football team. So I was shocked that he fell that far. But um, coming in at 23, I do have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Big Ben's getting up there. I don't think his body. I don't know that his body's ever been in prime condition. But I think it's with him getting older. I think um, they're going to rely a lot on the run game this year, and I don't think that's going to work out in their favor. Especially having a rookie running back uh, who hasn't. I don't. I don't think will have fully adapted to the NFL atmosphere. Um, and so I have them at twenty three. Luke, who do you got? yeah
1: 23 I've got the uh, Raiders I think a lot of what you guys have already said they had one of the worst defenses last year and I don't think they didn't make a ton of moves and they also have one of the uh, most difficult schedules in the league and I think that's gonna be a big part is just I mean they're already in the toughest division going up against the Chiefs you know twice a year and I just think it's gonna be really tough for them to do really anything this year but hopefully they get a high draft pick and then you know keep building I think I have the Bengals, the highest out of all of us,
0: up at number 22. Uh, Jamar Chase, of course, is a beast. Getting Joe Burrow a weapon uh, that not only he has good chemistry, but experience with, uh, great for the Bengals offense, especially one that was desperate for a uh, downfield threat, especially after Burrow went out. However, as – my esteemed colleagues have mentioned passing on the generational talent of Penny Sewell at tackle will always kind of be a question mark until we can see how well this O-line can protect the second year Joe Burrow As with a couple of these teams down here. I think, uh, they're starting to get a core together. It is a team for the future. It's just not going to pan out this year.
2: And coming in at number 22, I do have the New York giants, um, I believe I do have him. I don't know about you, Christian, but I know I do have him higher than Luke. And because I do think people are sleeping on Danny Dimes, I think bringing Kenny Galladay, uh, especially as a Lions fan, I think that is a bit bit more noticeable to us that he will be a key weapon out there in New York. They still have Evan Ingram, who I still think is – On the come-up, I still think he has a lot of room to grow, which is great for that organization. And obviously they do have Saquon, who is coming back from injury. It'll be great to have him back for that team. I think one of the things they are going to struggle on a bit, though, more is defense. I don't know that they're very well known as a defensive team right now. But I think they're higher up than – I have them higher up than I think most people in the NFL. And I think, like I said, I think people are sleeping on Danny Dimes. I think there was a reason he was a top-five pick, and I think he's going to prove that this year.
1: In 22, I've got the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying with Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's on the edge of retirement. This is probably going to be one of his last years, not his last year. But one good thing for them is they've got a fantastic defense with T.J. Watt and all of their core. Minka Fitzpatrick's been phenomenal ever since he was traded there. And I think the combination of that great defense along with Najee Harris and Juju Smith-Schuster, I think they'll win him a couple more games and keep him in that high 22 range. Right. Number two at this
0: rounding out, uh, our power rankings for this week, the second week of great take from the great like power rankings at 21. We have the Denver Broncos real solid in the trenches, both sides of the ball and a solid set of linebackers. Uh, of course, hopefully led by a healthy Von Miller, very solid set of young receivers also gives Broncos fans hope, uh, the real question mark, uh, of this team, of course, lies under center with Drew Locke. Uh, they didn't pick any quarterbacks in the draft, which could means uh, could mean that they trust him to be their quarterback of the future. Uh, they also could have been playing for an Aaron Rodgers trade. I think that remains to be seen. Uh, but if Locke elevates his play, I fully believe in the core of this team. I think he could honestly, uh, if he plays well, get the Broncos into a top half of the league kind of team. If not, of course, if he kind of fizzles out, uh, they could be as low as even 24 or 25.
2: All right, and coming in at 21, as Luke and I mentioned, I hate to say it, but I do have the Chicago Bears at 21. I was shocked that Justin Fields fe- fell to a- a- what I believe was the 10th overall pick. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... I think it was the 11th, but right right 10th there. or 11th, but you do remember who went 10th to the Chiefs in 2017, currently one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of this generation, uh, Patrick Mahomes. And so I think I'm he, making
0: comparisons just yet. Come on now. <laughs> well, not a little I hope know, I'm, a
2: lot, I'm getting my head I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit there, but I do think this is like you said, Christian, I think this is a guy who's gonna come in and truly transform the Bears offense. I think he's gonna be a young energy to the team. He's gonna be the start of something new in Chicago, as much as I don't like to say it as a Lions fan, as I've mentioned, but I do think this is a new era of, of Bears football. They've struggled a bit for the last couple years. Unfortunately, had that double dunk a couple of years ago against the Philadelphia Eagles. And so I know Bears fans are jazzed up about getting Justin Fields, and I can't blame them.
1: Absolutely. And actually, I don't have the Bears uh this week. I think they're going to be a little bit higher than you guys are putting them right now. So, pick 21, I've got the uh, Denver Broncos. I agree with a lot of what Christian was already saying. I think the biggest question mark for them as quarterback and honestly i think they're one of the few teams that you can honestly say is one quarterback away they've got a good offense a good defense von miller is still pretty solid and they've got um they've got uh von miller and bradley chubb and also justin simmons who's an underrated safety in the back and i think they've got a good defense good offense and either you know they could go for their and roger sweepstakes or if uh, drew lock really steps up they could be really good i completely agree and
0: um Speaking of teams of the future, we have a team currently in in the NBA that is just one win from the chip, and even just seven years ago, 2013 to 2014, they won 15 total games, which is the total number exactly of games that they have won in this postseason alone. Just got to get the predictions out of the way real quick. you guys think Milwaukee is going to be able to close this one out?
2: Absolutely not. Didn't get my Suns in four, but we're still riding with the Suns and Suns in seven. I think this is going to be a comeback. Like one of the best comebacks we will have ever seen in NBA's history. You know, I'm not even gonna mention, you know, the Warriors blowing a through and leave because I think that's irrelevant now. Suns are gonna win the next two games. Devin Booker is going to put on a show. CP3 is gonna start dishing the ball out again, and we're going to see. The Suns lifting the O'Leary O'Brien trophy at the end of this season.
0: You say comeback like they weren't up 2-0 in this series. I don't know if it's a comeback as much as saving themselves from choking a little harder.
2: Hey, call it what you want, we're still going to see a Suns championship. And I don't even want to, I know, I know, all of our listeners are going to say, oh Alex, you can't predict anything. Everything you predict goes, you know, just ends up going in the garbage can. I don't care. This is the Suns year This is what... No, we didn't get this far to not go anywhere, okay? This is our time. Giannis is going to have to try again next year.
1: That's one thing a lot of people are talking about. You know, Giannis has more chances to go at it. This might be Chris Paul's last shot at it. And I think he's really... If they have a chance to do it, I don't know if if I have uh, Alex's enthusiasm for the Suns pulling this out, but... If they pull it out, it's going to be a lot riding on Chris Paul because Devin Booker has been playing fantastically. He's the first player in NBA history to score 40 plus points in the finals twice in a row and lose both games, which shows you how much of a streak he's been on. He's been torching the Bucks. He's Drew Holiday's a fantastic defender, but there are points where Devin Booker makes him look like a traffic cone, which is very impressive. Like you, there aren't many players that can do that. And obviously, Drew Holiday had that big strip on him to win Game Five, but. Devin Booker's been doing his his best to really push this team to the win and I think Chris Paul's gonna have to step up. Al, Christian and I were talking uh after game five and he had probably one of the quietest twenty-one and eleven games we've ever seen. If you had asked me right after that game how many points Chris Paul had, I would have said about nine, something like that. Like he just he was really quiet and he's gotta have one of those games like he did against the Nuggets or against the Clippers where he just put him out of reach. He's gotta have, you know, go to the mid-range, you know, nine straight times, get eighteen points in a row. You know, he's got to score 30 to 40 because Booker's going to we know Booker's going to get 35 at least every game. He's just he's on a hot streak right now and he's really got to get some help from Chris Paul. Uh, Not
0: a set of better myself. I think a lot of it does ride on Chris Paul. And we talked about, um, I guess not on this podcast, but uh, the three of us talked about uh, Harden having perhaps the worst 22 nine and nine game I've ever seen in or, you know, anything like that, 20-plus, 9-plus, 9 9-plus 9 in a game ever, in Game 7 of Bucks Nets. I think Chris Paul has been quiet, not only in this game, but the previous ones as well, uh, which is difficult because the success, a lot of DeAndre Ayton applies, or not applies, but rides on Chris Paul as well because he gets a lot of those dink and dunks from CP3. I think you're exactly right. I think he's kind of the key here. And who knows? Uh, Mr. Middleton is due for a uh, Tough game coming up. Of course, we've been riding the uh, Chris Middleton Ferris wheel, if you will, for quite a while now. He kind of seems to look incredible, which he has the last two games, and then mysteriously kind of disappear or get quiet in kind of these big moments. And we do, of course, have a big moment coming up, and I, I do expect Middleton to step up. I gotta, I gotta throw one of these ESPN stats at you real quick. Um, A lot of you may know this uh, before the less basketball-versed fans listening right now. What the clutch is defined as in basketball, obviously, it's kind of an adjective, like, oh, he's clutch, or he's got the clutch gene, whatever. But there is a statistic where in the last five minutes of games, when the score is within five points, so, you know, you're either leading or losing by five points, in the last five minutes of a game is the clutch. Obviously, that's the most important time. Of a game, the Milwaukee Bucks in these five games so far of the series have made seven buckets in the clutch. Four of those seven were Chris Middleton. That is incredible. Chris Middleton is four of six in the clutch. The rest of the Bucks combined, three of ten. He has scored double the amount of points in the clutch as the entire rest of the Bucks combined. He is playing incredible, and in this, this is. Seemingly a bold prediction because of the way he's played all the playoffs, but I think Middleton has a hot game in Game 6, and the Bucks close it out in Milwaukee.
2: And I, I do want to mention, as, as hyped up as I was, uh, or as I still am about the Suns taking it in 7, I think the big test for them, uh, honestly speaking, the big test for them will be tomorrow in Milwaukee. I think being able to ride into Game 7 with a home crowd, knowing that they just really are about they have the chance to save themselves from blowing a two zero lead that will be key so tomorrow night uh i believe i want to say the game starts at 9 p.m eastern time in milwaukee that will be the big test for the suns if they can make it through that i see no reason why they can't take game seven but i do think the x factor is going to be cp3 chris paul and hit, is he able to uh, dash and dime those uh, dunks out to deandre ayton is he able to get it to the hot hand and devin booker is devin booker able to get hot again i think those three players ayton booker and cp3 will be the core three as they've been for most of the playoffs those will be the core three guys for the suns and i think if they can all do their jobs and do them well there's absolutely no reason the suns can't take this series
0: Dipped in a little bit to back to the beginning of the playoffs. Uh, This year we had the first ever play in tournament in uh, the NBA to start off playoffs. So what happens is the nine seed uh, plays the 10 seed, the seven plays the eight. And then the winner of the, the winner of seven, eight gets the seven seed, the loser of seven, eight then plays the winner of nine, 10 for that eighth seed. If all that makes sense, that's what they did this year. Um, of course, got the Grizzlies into the playoffs uh, in the West, and officially the NBA and the Players Association has agreed to extend that tournament at least for one more year. Obviously, that's not a cap; they can, you know, then continue to extend it beyond that. Uh, is this the format of the future?
1: I really like it. I think it makes a lot of sense. It just adds some more excitement. One thing we're seeing more is it's going to help people. Um, more teams aren't going to be tanking towards the end of it. We're going to have a couple of teams that are, you know, within three or four games of the eight seed, really push for it, you know, hope or even the sixth seed. we're going to see more battles between the seven, eight, you know, six, seven, eight seeds because people want to get out of the plan, you know, have that week long rest where they don't have to deal with, you know, playing any teams. Cause it it comes down to, you know, one or two games where you could be in the playoff spot and then suddenly you're out of it within a week. And I think it's going to really help that. It's going to be more exciting, you know, as a, Pacers fan, it was a lot of fun to see O'Shea Verset just pop off, you know, out of nowhere once we signed him uh, from the once we got him from the Raptors, which I love that signing. I'm a really big fan of O'Shea Verset. I think it's going to be really good next year. But it just adds more fun. We get to see more teams play for it. Obviously, the uh, Steph Curry and LeBron James face off and the, the play was fantastic. I think it was one of the better games we saw this entire year. And I think it just adds more chances for more exciting games, more moments where people can keep plugging the NBA. You know, you'll see more clips on Twitter and Instagram and they'll just get more fans excited and bring in more people to watch basketball.
0: Yeah, and I know And I do agree with you, I think what you said was all correct. I do gotta play devil's advocate real quick though. The, the main argument against this is that you grind all season long and you're sitting in the sixth seed, you know, the entire way, and you lose a game right near the end of the season, and all of a sudden you're in the seven. Oh no. But then you lose two games and you're out of the playoffs entirely. And some, you know, some team that was sitting in the 10 seed that didn't prove it all season long that, you know, the regular season where they're supposed to be able to, you know, be fighting for playoff positioning. And then all of a sudden in two games, they can boost themselves up to the eighth seed. Uh, I don't, I think the the pros of obviously the excitement, the anti-tanking stuff outweigh that, but that is uh, the biggest argument against it. And one of the teams, real quick, that was in the play-in in the East, of course, uh, they ended up making the eighth seed and then losing to the Philadelphia 76ers. But the Washington Wizards just signed Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, as their head coach, he was a he was the son of a longtime Wizards player, even back to when they were on the Bullets. And he spent the first 14 years of his career uh, as a coach with the Wizards, six of them as an assistant coach. I think it's a really great
1: thing. Absolutely. I really like the signing. I think it's going to be good it's nice to get some you know some loyalty in there from uh Unseld jr you know you, you've got you know what you've got he's obviously going to be a fan favorite because of his uh, father and i mean from what he's saying he sounds like he's got the right stuff i mean he spent a decade uh, going between the warriors magic and nuggets before coming back to washington um i think he's gonna hopefully help you know bradley beal and russell westbrook if that's who they want to stick with for the next you know year or two um you know try out see what happens maybe go for the playing spot again hope for you know it's number six seed or something like that but I think a big factor of this is they had to have talked beforehand when they are before they signed the contract and really made it clear that you know he had a long-term deal because it's not going to be a one-year rebuild for this team if they decide to blow it up it's going to take a while and I think that's good to you know get a younger guy who can really grow with the team make some mistakes when he's young you know when they're still trying to get a high draft pick or figure out you know who they're going to keep between like Rui Hachimura and some players like that, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., um, players like that. And I think it's going to be a big factor just to help them grow, and we'll see what happens.
2: And I do want to say before we, um, before we miss it, Luke, the expansion draft for the NHL for the Seattle Kraken comes up July 21st, uh, followed by the NHL Rookie Draft, which is July 23rd. Uh, we did recently have the expansion draft list of protected and unprotected players for the Seattle Kraken was recently published. Uh, for those of you who don't know, with expansion draft teams, the new NHL team being the Seattle Kraken will be allowed to take uh, a fr- pick from a list of players from other teams. And among those, we have some big names, um, especially in available forwards, I do want to say. Um We have Ryan Getzlaff of the Anaheim Ducks, Jeff Skinner of the Buffalo Sabres, um, Matt Duchesne of the Nashville Predators, James Van Riemsdijk, JVR, from the Philadelphia Flyers, Vladimir Tarasenko, who had requested a trade from the St. Louis uh, Louis Blues, is on this list. Uh, Yanni Gord from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Alex Killorn from the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, Wayne Simmons from the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, start to round out the forwards, Defensively, We have Mark Giordano of the Calgary Flames. P.K. Subban of the New Jersey Devils. And Brandon Dillon of the uh, Washington Capitals are three of the notable uh, available defensemen for the Kraken. And then let's get into the goalies because we have some big names for the goalies. Uh, we have Ben Bishop from the Dallas Stars. Jonathan Quick of the uh, Los Angeles Kings. Carey Price of the... Excuse me. The Montreal Canadiens, Braden Hopi of the Vancouver Canucks, Martin Jones of the San Jose Sharks, Luke. We have a ton of big names, a lot of you know very well-rounded hockey players available for the Seattle Kraken. Who do you see them taking to really lead this team this upcoming season?
1: Absolutely. And another name, uh, another forward that I really like is uh, Nino Niederreiter of the Hurricanes. I think he's really good. I could see them taking him. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough because they got to figure out. Um, you know, what they really want to do. And I know they've already talked about signing Chris uh, Dreiger from the Florida Panthers, a goalie. He's a younger goalie. He's 26. Um, They're signing him to a three-year deal. But that doesn't rule out for them drafting uh, Terry Price. They've already been looking into it, figuring out his, uh, you know, his medical history with his hip injury. But I think Getzloff might be a little on the older side. I think he might be one they stay away from. But I think either the Lightning guys, Gord or Kalorn, would be really good. Um, I think they might take uh, Niederreiter from the Hurricanes, a younger guy who's solid. I think one thing they could take is almost like a uh, Mark Stahl or an Eric Stahl, you know, one of those older veteran defensive players or a Corey Perry, Um, those older guys that can really help be a a vocal voice in the locker room just to help you grow. You saw that with the Golden Knights with uh, James Neal when they uh, signed him, an older guy who'd been in the Stanley Cup before, you know, knows what it takes to get there. But they look good, honestly. Before this draft even starts, I'm really surprised by how many good players they could get. Obviously, they can't take everybody; they can only take one player from each team. But I think they've got a lot of really good options. Another names um, from the Colorado Avalanche—they left open uh, Gabriel Landeskog, um, who was a captain for the Avalanche this year. Um, Obviously, they might not take him. They might—you know—you never really know with expansion drafts. uh, You know who they're looking at, who they want, but. They've got a lot of really good options. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and then they get to turn around and take the second overall pick, which I think is really going to help them build their core.
2: Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, Obviously, the last time we saw an expansion draft was with the Vegas Golden Knights who were able to snag Marc-Andre Fleury during that draft. and obviously following the expansion draft we do have the nhl rookie draft luke as our nhl insider analyst who do we have as do you have any predictions any bold predictions any obvious ones what do we think is going to happen
1: absolutely well first of all i want a uh, quick shout out uh, ben bridges and myself worked on a story together uh doing a NH- 2021 nhl draft preview you can find that on tvsportsmag.com uh, we put a lot of work into this we're really excited so feel free to check it out and Later on, a uh, little teaser, we've, we're going to have a uh, way too early predictions for next year, so stay tuned on that. But I think one of the biggest things we're going to see, and I've said it last week as well, I think we're going to not see a lot of free agency moves. Obviously, the biggest name is Alex Ovechkin, but I think he's going to be a capital, capital for life. I think he just loves Washington, and he's not going to leave. But I think where we're really going to see it is the trade market. I think we're going to see a lot of trades. We've already seen some with Duncan Keith already being traded to the Oilers and Ryan Graves traded to the New Jersey Devils, as well as the Detroit Red Wings also making a move earlier on. And I think we're going to see a lot of uh, trades happen. We could see some signing trades. Obviously, those are bigger in the basketball, but I think it could happen in hockey. Um, I really think Owen Power is a top prospect. We've talked about him. I think he's going to be really solid. Um, an underrated guy, uh, University of Michigan center, Kent Johnson. He's a younger guy. He's going to be at least one more year in Michigan, but I really like his game. I think he's he has the potential to be a top five uh, player in this draft, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I think one of those fun things is you just get to see a lot of new blood in the uh, in the NHL. It's just fun to see those younger guys that just have you know everything to prove and nothing to lose. They're just out there. You know They've got so much more energy, and you get to see – you know, as the setting of the stars from the two thousands, the Sidney Crosbys, Jonathan Taves, Steven Stamkoses—you can see all those guys start to fade away. You can see the new, you know, the new uh, sunrise and new stars.
2: Yeah, that'll be interesting for sure. And you know, you did—you did just mention, you know, seeing the new age of hockey players. I think it's really interesting how we're going to see a lot of the guys from the uh, USA national team that participated in the IIHF tournament this last winter will be. A lot of them have made their debuts. Cole Caulfield uh, helped the Montreal Canadiens make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Spencer Knight has done wonders for the Florida Panthers already. Alex Turcott, I believe, is in the AHL for the excuse me, the LA Kings. He's part of their organization. Trevor Zegras has already been putting up numbers for the Anaheim Ducks. So we really are getting into a new wave of uh, NHL stars and this new young player. And the thing I like the most is they're all from... The good old US of A, you know, you gotta love seeing a lot of that in uh, in country talent, a lot of those na- a lot of that national talent, uh, because in the past years a lot of it has come from Canada and a lot of that and we've seen so many of these international players coming in. So I do have to say it is really cool seeing a lot of these guys that you know grew up in America. We got to see them play when they were younger, and now we get to see them play as, you know, NHL stars. And so that'll be very interesting to see. And I do have to say, Luke, are there going to be any surprises with this expansion draft? Do we do you have any players that maybe might shock a lot of people with who um, you know you wouldn't expect them to leave their team? You wouldn't expect the Kraken to want them. What do we got?
1: I think one big one is obviously Vladimir uh, Tarasenko. He's obviously made it clear that he wants to leave the Blues, but there have already been people calling the Kraken, talking if you know if they're going to take uh, Tarasenko and if they'd be willing to flip him uh, right away and to trade him. And I think the Kraken would be smart to do something like that. Um, where they just take some, take a you know an older guy and then get some good assets for him. You know, maybe a pick later on, you know, later in that week for uh the rookie draft or, you know, a younger guy or a solid Corvette that could just play on the fourth to sixth line. Um but I think it's gonna be it's it's tough to say. I think the Kraken have made, done a really good job of keeping their cards close to their chest. They're feeling things out. At this point, it's almost like they're in a rebuild year for the You know, for any team, you know, they're just feeling things out, trying to figure out, you know, what they can get for any players. Um, I think it'd be a shock if they don't take Carey Price, even with Carey Price's hip uh, injury concerns. I think that's just too good of a player to pass up on if and I think the Canadians, either they're betting on the Kraken to not take him or they're willing to move on from him. And I think that's going to be a really big surprise either way, because either he's going to be in a different jersey next year or the Kraken passed up on him, and then we'll get to see if they made the right call or not.
2: Yeah, and as we mentioned, we do have a lot of stars, truly true NHL All-Stars available for the Kraken in this draft. And speaking of All-Stars, we are going to transition to Major League Baseball, where we did just come off of an amazing All-Star weekend, starting with the Home Run Derby. Polar Pete Alonzo taking his second straight that man was making it look way too easy and i do have to mention one of the things that people were forgetting is with the elevation uh there were a lot of different factors that were making it a bit easier for the uh for players to hit the ball further um and so it was truly it was just so entertaining being able to watch a lot of these guys shohei otani trey mancini who by the way shout out trey mancini the man a year ago today, I believe a year ago today, was fighting stage 3 colon cancer, and that man was in the Home Run Derby. I don't even have any words to describe that, but that is just, that is truly amazing. Um, really just one of the bigger comeback stories in sports, I think in the lo- in a very, very long time. So it is wonderful to see players like him get another shot after fighting something like that. Um. And obviously, we had uh, P. of uh, Colorado. It was it was in Colorado at Coors Field, and so we did get to see uh, Trevor Story participated in the Home Run Derby. And during the actual All Star Game, it was pretty cool to see former Rockies third baseman Nolan Arenado got a very warm welcome by Rockies fans. Um, Arenado did not leave on the brightest note uh, when he was who is he's now a St. Louis Cardinal. So there was a, I know there was a bit of tension before he, uh, he left the team. And so it was really cool seeing him back in uh, his first team and giving him that uh, warm welcome was really cool to see. We saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going from almost taking Max Scherzer's head off in his first at-bat. I thought Matt Scherzer was going to be down for the count as soon as the ball left the bat. And luckily for Scherzer, he got out of the way. And then in his next back at-bat, he skyrocketed one out of the uh, – Out of the stadium. Um, I still don't think people are talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Enough, and everybody's talking about him. I mean, the guy has... I believe he's in the lead for the Triple Crown. I think the only one he doesn't lead, last I checked, was home runs, which is currently being led by Shohei Otani. The last person to win a Triple Crown was my boy Miguel Cabrera back in 2013. And before that, it hadn't been done in almost 50 years. 50 to 60 years. And this kid's only in his third season. That's what everybody needs to remember. He is only in his third season, and he's already putting up amazing, triple crown notable numbers. So people, in my in my opinion, are still even just sleeping on Vladimir Guerrero Journey. I mean, he's everywhere. He is everywhere. You see him all over Instagram. Every It's like we've talked about earlier with Fernando Tatis, where every home run... Vladimir Guerrero hits is a moonshot and it is all over social media I still think he needs to be put out more because he is just that good of a wild player and he is still not being talked about enough um, I do want to give a quick little shout out because it did just finish the Tigers just beat the Rangers 14 to nothing we're going to get more into Tigers baseball during Michigan Madness but the Tigers are on a roll uh, especially coming up with the trade deadline I think Coming up on the trade deadline, I think the big team, for most baseball fans, obviously everybody's expecting the Cubs to make some big moves. We're hearing a lot of trade talk, including Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, um, and even Jake Arrieta. And so I do want, for, for our baseball fans, I think when it comes to trade deadline moves, I think we're going to see a lot of moves out of the Cubs I don't think that the Tigers are going to make a lot of moves because I think uh, you, we saw A.J. Hinch say uh, a while back, it's going. To, if people want our players, it's going to take a lot more than people think because they truly believe in the core that they have and love the clubhouse dynamic that they currently have going. And so, again, this has really become just the big talking point, honestly, of this entire podcast is how I'm terrible predicting things. And I kept saying, the Tigers should tank, the Tigers should tank, the Tigers should tank. If we're on a roll... We don't need to tank. We don't need to tank, and I hope I didn't just jinx us right there by saying, "Oh, we don't need to tank." But I'm looking at it right now. Isaac Paredes was three for three. Um, Akil Badu was two for five with a two-run blast. Miguel Cabrera was two for four with a bases-clearing double. Um, things are really looking up for Tigers baseball, and I could not be more excited about it. Um, and obviously, Shohei Otani, uh, who was a whole, uh, has been one of the bigger names, has seems like he's hitting a home run every other day now was a home run derby participant and did take home the all-star game mvp and did donate all of his winnings which is just another truly great thing you don't see too you don't hear too many times uh, too much about people donating winnings like that to any sort of charity or any sort of big cause so it was really cool of him especially he's an international guy and he's donating to an american run Uh, fund, and so it was really cool of him to do that. Uh, So shout out Shohei Otani for all of that. And on that note, let's run right into Midwest Minute.
0: Well, we've been talking about it for quite a while in Midwest Minute, uh, but we are inching closer and closer to the NBA draft. We are just 10 days away now. It is on the 29th of July. And Mr. Morey pointed out, uh, rightly so, that in more and more uh, mock drafts, we are seeing uh, Jalen Green go up at number two. To be honest with you, I was surprised that wasn't kind of a thing from the get-go. Some people were even saying that he would go ahead of Cade at number one. Thankfully, uh, you know, any of those rumors were kind of put down, uh, and it's pretty pretty firm Cade at number one. Uh, But that most likely means that Evan Mobley will be going to the Cavs, uh, who have the number three pick, our little Midwest team, up in the lottery with the Pistons. And uh, this guy is very good. Out of USC, he's a shifty 7-1 score, great defender. He won the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, and Overall Player of the Year. He is a monster. He's got a great set of handles, very athletic, uh, of course, consistent shooting at seven one is uh, certainly an issue, uh, but he does have kind of the things in place, good balance and form to kind of build on that and be a good shooter down the line, which I think kind of every big man needs at this point. Uh, he is kind of lanky and not really a go-pound-it-down-low-scoring-your-face type of guy, so he does kind of need, uh, in my opinion, at least a stronger or a more physical big in the front court with him. I think Jared Allen fits that pretty well, who's, of course, on the Cavs. Uh, Right now, though, early in their careers, I guess, though, uh, floor spacing would likely be an issue. Other than that, uh, as we've talked about a whole lot, we've gone over the Pacers uh, and their likely picks in the last couple of pods, and uh, we will, of course, be getting
1: into the K-Brigade in Michigan Absolutely, and we've already talked a little bit about the uh, NHL draft, but I'll just kind of go through the uh, their, the top 15 picks uh, for the Midwest, just you know who they might be drafting, who I'm seeing they're going for. Uh, so the Columbus Blue Jackets have the fifth overall pick, and what I'm seeing mostly is Simon Edmondson, a defenseman, or William Eklund, a winger. Um, I think they really can't go wrong. I think Edmondson makes a lot of sense because they're planning to trade Seth Jones, who's obviously been one of their bigger names on the uh, blue line for a long time. So getting a younger guy who can step in and hopefully become that voice in the long term will be really good for them number six we got the Detroit Red Wings what I'm seeing is a new name that I haven't really seen much but it's becoming a lot more apparent now is Mason McTavish he's a center from Peterborough no one really knows who the Red Wings are going to take they've done a really good job of keeping their cards close to their chest they're not really making anything clear they're going to you know see what happens see if they get a good trade offer maybe trade down maybe trade up um, they also really like uh, Luke Hughes, who's obviously the brother of Jack Hughes on the uh, New Jersey Devils. And the Devils are planning, from what I'm hearing, are taking him at number four. But if he falls to the Red Wings, I think they're really going to take him. And then at uh, number 12, you got the Chicago Blackhawks, who I'm seeing is uh, Jesper Walstead, who I really like. I've talked about him a couple times on this podcast. Um, another name I've heard is Matthew Coronado, who is from Illinois. So he's a local guy. He's a good forward. So he'd be able to play. With Jonathan Taves and Patty Kane, or be able to take over for them once they plan to rebuild. Last but not least, Philadelphia number fourteen, who I'm seeing as Cole Sillinger, center. Uh, He's what people are. A lot of people are saying is he could be one of the top ten players in the draft once everything pans out.
2: All right, and on that note, let's roll into the our MLB, uh, our Midwest MLB teams. Starting off in the AL Central, as we mentioned, or. as we've mentioned every episode, because they've been on the top of the standings every episode, the Chicago White Sox are still in first place in the AL Central with a 57 and 37 record. Uh, they're eight and two in their last ten, and have my big thing with them is they have a 125 run differential, which is the second best in the American League behind the Houston Astros. Uh, the Cleveland Indians uh, currently in, still in second place. They are 47 and 43. Uh, 5-5 in their last 10 and on a uh, two-game winning streak. And the big difference in the run differential would be from that 125 with the Chicago White Sox all the way down to minus 14 with the Cleveland Indians. I think that is the big break of the big difference in between those two teams. And then in third place, we have our Detroit Tigers who are 44-51. 5-5 in their last 10 but on a four-game winning streak. Uh, and we, uh, with our just a 14-0 win against the Rangers, things are looking up for the Tigers. Following the Tigers in fourth place are the Minnesota Twins, who are 40-54, uh, also 5-5 five and five in the last 10, but on a one-game losing streak. And rounding out the bottom of the AL Central, we do have the Kansas City Royals, uh, who are 37-55 and 55 in the, uh, this year with a .402 win percentage, 2-8 and eight in the last 10, and on a two-game losing streak. Uh, and on that note, it will roll into the National League Central, where the Milwaukee Brewers are outright leaders in that division. Uh, they're seven games ahead of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the Brewers have a fifty-six and thirty-nine record. Uh, they're five and five in the last ten, and are on a three-game winning streak. Uh, and they're followed by, like I said, the Cincinnati Reds, who are forty-eight and forty-five, uh, five and five in the last ten, but on a three-game losing streak. And again, with the run differential the Milwaukee Brewers have a plus 62 run differential and the second place Cincinnati Reds have a minus eight run differential. So then there's another example of run differential really being the big statistic and big difference between those two teams. And following the Cincinnati Reds, we have a tie for third place between the Chicago Cubs and their rivals St. Louis Cardinals. Both teams are 46 and 47. Uh, uh, the Cubs, however, are four and six in their last 10 while the Cardinals are five and five. The Cubs are on a one game losing streak while the Cardinals are on a two-game winning streak. And then rounding out the bottom of the NL Central are the Pittsburgh Pirates who are 36 and 57. Uh, however, they are six and four in their last 10 and on a one game losing streak. And on that note, let's roll right into Michigan Madness.
1: All right. Well, first of all, uh, before we even talk about the Michigan pro teams, I just want to give a quick shout out to the University of Michigan uh, hockey team. They've got two players who might be picked uh, one and two, which has never happened in NHL history. Um, and number one, obviously, Owen Power, the defenseman. And a number two, what a lot of people are saying, is they crack Seattle Kraken taking Matthew Beignets. Um So that's just been incredible. They've obviously got Kent Johnson, who we've already talked about earlier. But they're doing something right with their hockey team down there. It's really cool to see, like we're already talking about, you know, some USA guys or USA teams, you know, just ball out. And it's fun to see uh, even the college-level hockey. I watched the uh, the Frozen Four, and that's that's just so much fun to watch. College sports are always so much fun, and it's fun to see hockey played really well, especially in the college level.
0: Uh, over with the Pistons, I I feel like I've done paid a little bit of a disservice because the last two or three episodes I just keep saying hey brigade we're taking a number 1 and he's so good but I got to just do a quick breakdown for you I think as the draft comes up and probably uh our post draft when it becomes official I'll really get into the uh the nitty gritty of his
2: game but Again, again feet. Christian man don't jinx it don't mm-hmm. jinx it Come I don't on. want Come on don't What do happens this to if me. we trade away our pick what happens if we don't end up taking him? We're what's going to happen we're not
0: not creating a way to... Pick. Don't be like me
2: with the whole predicting things, man. You don't see how it works for here. me. Come on. You see how it works no. for me. It's just... it. I don't want it to happen to you. I really okay, don't. We'll
0: start, we'll start with a little bit of hope then. Cade was in Detroit today. We're filming this Monday. Uh, of course, it's going to be released tomorrow, Tuesday morning. Uh, but he was at that Tigers game. We won 14-0 there. So I hope that's enough to keep him. I don't know. <laughs> um, I have a hard time seeing the Pistons... Uh, pass on this guy. He is an elite level score and distributor. Uh, the distribution, obviously um, not as great. I think that's um, kind of one of the working points on his, um getting the post uh, weak side corner passing, which is kind of his only real strength is uh, post passing when he gets his head down into the lane and then uh, far corner. But I think making some of the more difficult passes is something he can work on. Other than that, he's almost perfect offensively, a great-looking shot, shot nearly 40% from three in his one year at uh, Oklahoma State. And he is just so physical at six eight. he moves like a guard, but he has you know the touch and the, the combo of touch and strength that I think a lot of um, those guys that kind of can get downhill real well lack where he can also post up and use his physicality real well. Um, he also has a great uh, defensive IQ and uses his physicality real well on that end of the floor. And, of course, he has the frame and the size uh, to have a really high defensive uh, potential there.
1: Absolutely. And uh, some more draft talk. Uh, Red Wings, sadly, don't have the number one overall pick, but they still are in the uh, top ten. They've got pick number six. I already talked about Mason McTavish. I really like him. Uh, he's really good on the face-off, and he likes being the screen man for shots. He really gets to the front of the net. He'll get those dirty goals, which is what you always need. You need somebody that will get in there and scrap and just you know be the screener for the goaltender, make sure the defenseman can get pucks on nets and just make sure if there are any rebounds, he'll take care of it. But, uh, Alex, I wanted to talk to you about the protected list it came out yesterday, Sunday. Um, what do you think about that draft, for, or the exposed list for the Red Wings?
2: So... We have a lot of, at least for Red Wings fans, a lot of notable names on this list. Uh, this is a bit of a, the list is a bit bigger, at least in compared to other teams, especially considering the Red Wings do have so many unrestricted free agents this uh, offseason. Uh, a couple of those big names being Luke Glenn Denning, who I personally think that the Red Wings really should re-sign. I think the Red Wings do need to keep a, a face-off, really just a face-off general on that team someone who can really like you've talked about get down and dirty and fight and get really gritty and fight for the puck i think he's been that guy for the red wings and i think he can continue to be if they choose to re-sign him uh mark Stahl is also an unrestricted free agent who's also up for grabs jonathan bernier one of our goalies is also up for grabs as well and so i did see a very funny uh picture the other day where it was a picture of ron francis who used to play for the hartford uh the rest in peace the Hartford Wales hockey team uh he's now currently the GM for the uh, Seattle Kraken and the note it was a picture from a it was a it was a meme of um what would it have been I think it would have been from Parks and Recreation where he hands uh he hands the guard a note that says I can do anything I want because he has so many players to pick from and so I do think it would be sad to see some of these guys go. Like I know Vladimir uh, or Vladislav Nivestikov is on this list. Uh, Evgeny Shvednikov is also on this list. But the interesting thing is that a lot of these guys, as Luke you pointed out, uh, are unrestricted free agents. Uh, The few that would be cap hits are defensive uh, defenseman Troy Stasher, excuse me, uh, goalie Caden Fulker, uh, right wing uh, Riley Barber uh and center franz nielsen uh, franz nielsen as well as defenseman danny de Kaiser, who is out with injury for most of the season and so i do think we're probably going to see the kraken stray away from those guys it'll be big cap hits i think if we see guys that are cap hits they're going to be uh higher level players but there is a big list of free agents on this uh in this uh, exposed list. And so I do think if there's a possibility we could see any of these guys go, a lot of them, especially being centers. Um, and so we I'm, I'm nervous to see who they take. Like I said, I kind of hope they don't take Glen because I do think the Red Wings should re-sign him. But we'll see. That's the beauty of the expansion draft is it's really almost – it's almost impossible to predict.
1: That's true. Another one I could really see them taking – and it kind of depends on who they take for – throughout the rest of the draft, is uh, Mark Stahl as a defenseman. I think he'd be a really good uh, veteran voice for them in the locker room, just helping people know what they need to bring, um, a good tone center, uh, just helping people bring that energy. And, you know, he's done it for a really long time. He has two brothers that are also in the league, um, so he really knows what it takes. He'd be able to really sit down people to help him mentor and grow them. Even if he doesn't contribute a lot, you really need that good voice that will set a tone in the locker room. But a lot of it could depend on who they take before that, and we'll see. But it's going to be an absolute blast.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to say, speaking of locker room dynamics, I can only imagine that the locker room dynamic at Comerica Park with the Detroit Tigers is just as electric as it has been, almost as it has been since our uh, World Series days with Miguel Cabrera and Prince Fielder. for those of you who didn't see, Miguel Cabrera had a walk-off bloop fly a couple nights ago to win the game against the Minnesota Twins. And if you looked up in the suites, uh, former Tiger reliever who's now retired, his name is Phil Koch, was just going nuts in that suite, getting the entire crowd hyped up and ready for the game. Um, and that was the kind of energy I think we everybody's been waiting to see at Comerica Park, and all of these Tigers fans are so happy to have um obviously as we've mentioned a couple times now the Detroit they they just beat the Rangers 14 to nothing and Kyle Gibson has been one of the better and un, unnoticed pitchers this season um until he started facing the Tigers I guess because they beat him and they've beaten him in Arlington and now they're beating him in Detroit which I love to see um Jonathan Scope is currently now in a nine game hitting streak and Robbie Grossman is on now an 18 game on base streak So some great bats, along with some great pitching as well, obviously with a combined shutout with Casey Mize getting the start today. And uh, along with that, we did just sign Ty Madden, who was the 32 overall pick, uh, which I think has been a great signing. I think it'll take time for us to see if we're going to sign Jackson Job, as he was a higher pick, and normally those negotiations take a while longer. But it's great to see Ty Madden officially joining the Tigers organization and having him for a while will be great to add to that pitching. Um, really just pitching an amazing young core that we've had. We've taken so many pitches in these past drafts, be it Casey Mize, be it Matt Manning, and now with Job and Madden. I think things are really starting to look up, like I said, with Myers, with my record of predicting things as we've said so many times i hope i don't jinx it with the tigers because they are really just doing amazing right now i do think there's a chance we could see them pull over the 500 mark before the season ends which would be great i think that leaves them on a great um it leaves them on a great note for next season and i think hopefully that momentum will continue to ride i think obviously we have a lot of time before the end of the season but it's at least it's at least great to see some winning Uh, Baseball right now and as we mentioned they are in third place in the AL Central with a um, 44 and 51 record they are 13 and a half games back from first place so I think it'll be tough to make it to that top place in the AL Central I think the White Sox have just about gotten that locked up but again it is great to see some winning Tigers baseball especially with how young our locker room is and I could not be more for it um, guys, any thoughts on Tigers baseball?
0: I mean, they're energetic. They're fun to watch. They've got me watching baseball, which is wild. Uh, for those of you that know me, um, Akil Badu is electric. I don't. I, I don't
2: think. Did electric you see that bat flip bad. today?
0: No, I didn't. But I saw the homer.
2: That thing was gone before he even hit it. He just that was the that was probably the smoothest bat flip, the Tigers have had this season, and that just it got him on a start. And I do want to mention, uh, Miguel Cabrera is. I, last I checked, he's six home runs away from the five hundred mark. Had a bases clearing mm-hmm. double today that he tried to stretch out into a triple. It did not work, but ev- the cloud. All was the chill. guys to
0: stretch <laughs> that. I don't know about. <laughs>
2: But the crowd was chanting "Maggie, Maggie, Maggie." If he can hit that 500 mark this season, I think that is the perfect note for a successful Tiger season. Despite me not agreeing with their draft choice uh, with Jackson Job, I'll be more than happy if they can get him to that mark. If they can get uh get to see get end the season on a high note and roll right into 2022, maybe with another winning record. Who knows? Who knows? It could be the turnaround. We get the first pick with the Pistons. We're about to have the NHL draft come up with the Red Wings. I don't know much to say about the Lions, but this could start. This could be the start of something new for Detroit sports, and I think especially for Christian and I, I think even for you two a little bit, Luke, this is just exciting. It's just exciting.
0: Exciting is the perfect word, and I think exciting is uh, hopefully the note we leave you with here. On episode five, great takes from the Great Lakes, uh, as presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at underscore TV Sports, and then Facebook and LinkedIn at Just Tunnel Vision Sports, uh, and then just online on the web at www.tvsportsmag.com. And of course, uh, make sure to go on Instagram, leave great takes from the Great Lakes a follow. We have, of course, the most amazing content, uh, content on the app. And thank you for having us this week. Uh, and we'll hope to see you next week.